Ladies and gentlemen, in the blue corner, standing at a sleek 5'11", 245 pounds, the tumultuous tempest of technique, Thomas Lilly. And in the red corner, at a curvaceous 5'11", 315 pounds, the jovial juggernaut of judgment, John Cheryl Sheridan. A meeting of the masters of mastication turn your attention as they delve deep into all things lifting and more. This is Peak Speak. There we go. Back. We are back. Live. Not dead. Is it live? I'm not. Yeah, well, just. I'm alive. We'll see. I'm only, you know, 24 hours into this spicy cough thing, so we'll see. Hmm. You know what'll get you going? A nice cup of joe. Indeed. Already several of those down, because now I'm at home, and the advantage of being at home is I'm always walking distance from my coffee machine and my fantastic stash of prism coffee beans. Nice. I cracked open a new one this morning. I can't remember which one it was, but it was blue, and it's delicious. Ah, uh, yeah, nice. There's, I mean, I'm yet to find a bad one. They make fucking delicious coffee, and they're all pretty fucking great. So maybe y'all should go buy yourself some delicious coffee from our friends at Prism Coffee Co. using the code PIXPIC. You should. You should buy some. You should make some. You should use that code. Then you, you should go walk outside because it's a beautiful fall right now. And our friends at Manscaped want to make sure it's beautiful when your pants fall. Don't let the trees be the only thing dropping their excess leaves. Give your trunk the look it deserves with the leaders in male grooming and their fourth generation performance package. Boys, get your baby makers ready for a cuffing season like no other and join the 4 million men worldwide using Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code PEAKSPEAK. You can seal the deal with Manscaped's liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver to keep your pumpkin spiced the right way all fall long. Absolutely. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PEAKSPEAK. Manscaped.com is 20% off. Free shipping with the code PEAKSPEAK at Manscaped.com. Make sure you have the best package for your package and choose Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Indeed they will. Another note from our sponsors. Amazing. And we're away. Welcome back. How are you, my friend? Yes. Yeah, well, other than... Spicy. Uh, spicy. Yeah, pretty good. I mean, so far, so good. I have no magic complaints about it. I'm mostly just dirty that I can't hold my superior immune system over other people's heads because this is the first time I've had COVID. Since oh, this is round began. one. Yeah, yeah, I'm just better at being immune to things than everyone else. And I'm annoyed because now my superior attitude has to be deflated ever so slightly. Canberra's probably got a lot to do with it. Like, Canberra was relatively oh, COVID-free. Yeah. 100% man. Like, it's it's got absolutely nothing to do with my immune system and is entirely to do with the fact that we live in Canberra. And we were, yeah, pretty well COVID-free for a long time. So, um, yeah, both my partners got out of ISO just the other day. Uh, just, what day is it? Wednesday? Got out of ISO Monday. I tested positive Tuesday morning. Oh, so, wow. There you go. Yeah. There, there was COVID definitely floating around at nationals. Yes. Um, but influenza but look, A, big time. So heaps of us, including myself, including all the staff, got really sick after the comp. And yeah, most right. of us tested negative to COVID. So the flu was bouncing around big time at the comp. Yeah. yeah. Um, Lynn, my lifter who was there, 
tested positive only a few days after getting home uh, for COVID. So I'm not surprised. Um, And I feel like I maybe had, I I don't know if I had the flu, but I certainly had a very bad cold Mm. like two weeks ago. Um, And that was the sickest I've been in a while. And so far compared to that, this is pretty cruisy. Yeah. 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 No, the influenza A has been really, really messing people around. Uh, yeah, you know what? I got my flu shot a couple of, like I got my flu shot like a week before I got really sick. And so uh, I was like, oh, have you got the flu? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Like maybe <laughs> like, like I got my flu shot and now I'm really sick. So who knows? Yeah. The thing I find really interesting and I don't mean we're all now got serious COVID fatigue, but <laughs> like imagine, imagine even like 12 months ago, a competition like this and COVID bouncing around the way that it did. Imagine the publicity, the eyes, the news, or even yeah. two, two years ago, it would have been, wait, two years? Yeah, two years ago, it would have been like the worst thing that's ever happened. <laughs> and now, and now it's just everyone's like, like yeah. yeah, COVID bumped around, who cares? We're all better now. Yeah, it's um, it's been interesting to see that that <laughs> arc of the story, but here we are. Yeah. Yes, yes, <coughs> yes. Um, yeah, well, let's let's talk about nationals. You came up and, and hung out for a few days. Uh, we had APL nationals, yeah, which was um, uh, overall a success. Like a, it, it's funny, as you would know, being a, a fellow meet director, you can't help but to notice every single thing that went wrong and everything that you can improve on for the future. Um, it's like planning your own birthday party. You know, you, you just focus on everything that's not perfect uh, and miss all the fun that everyone's having. Um, but overall, I think um, it, it was a relatively successful comp with with minimal hiccups but we uh have a lot to learn from and a lot that we will improve on for world so it was cool yeah man from my point of view as an external to you know the meet directors and the group running it it was really nice to be at a big meet like that that i didn't have to be involved in in <laughs> that way like yeah but because i got to sit back and watch it as an observer right like if i go to gpc nationals i'm there as a state delegate and coaching and those sort of things so it's you're a little bit more involved you you have that point of view a little bit more but because mm. i was just there coaching a lifter it was really nice to be able to sit back and just observe the whole thing and uh and mostly it was just really nice to be back in the the in surfers where you know i think we all agree that powerlifting was at its pinnacle in uh 2014 or 15 uh 16 that that surfers paradise era shall we call it of uh Mm. gpc nationals it was very nostalgic to be back there and having to walk up and down those stairs carrying bars instead of monos was really nice (laughs) Fuck, man. Carrying monos up and down those stairs still gives me nightmares. Carrying monos anywhere gives me nightmares. Yeah, 100%. That's why I'm never running a nationals (laughs) because my monos live in the spot they live in and we're never moving them. Oh, they're the worst. Absolute Absolute worst. Um, Yeah, no, the the sense of nostalgia was was interesting. There were so many, like, good memories and not so good memories. And I don't mean, like, bad, bad memories, but just memories of dying of hunger and thirst, cutting weight for competitions and... uh, uh, just yeah, some, and, some of the stuff that happened at at nationals wasn't always positive because uh, it's a comp, you know. Some things you miss lifts, you have good days, yeah. bad days, whatever. Uh, but overall, super positive and and super fun yeah, to be back in that venue. The the first time I met Ed Cohn, I bombed in that room. <laughs> like it was 20, 2014 nationals i bombed in the squat, and then I've got a photo of Ed Cohn who like I went over to talk to my girlfriend. Uh, and commiserate a bit about the fact that I just bombed in the squat. 
And then Marcus came over and was like, Ed wants to meet you. And I got this whole pep talk from Ed about how, like, I looked really good and blah, blah, blah. It was, it was a really cool experience. But, um, yeah, it, it was it was interesting to sit back and, and just sort of reflect on all of the stuff that had happened there because it was fun. But also interesting to see, like, very much a new generation of people in there yeah. because there were so many people in there that didn't know that we'd run a Nationals there for three or you know there was what four competitions because you did the yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, three the years, junior ones comp- yeah yeah um yeah a whole bunch of people who didn't didn't know that history and um so it was nice to sort of feel like the grumpy old man uh being able to talk to a few of the people who were there for that and, and reminisce on that and then a whole bunch of other people who this was their in many ways I, i'm sure this was a lot of those people's first experience of like a big national level event at a venue like that and um yeah i think you you guys did a really good job it was a it was a really well-run meet from my point of view i didn't see any major hiccups or anything like that although i'm not surprised you broke the stage by the end of the weekend um (laughs) it was a great idea in theory but not in practice um yeah well these are the lessons you learn i I think uh, we we pivoted well uh, in advance enough to not have to avoid complete disaster yeah, um, good. And managed to solve the issue once once everything was removed. Um, and I take ownership for that. Daniel wanted more matting under the platform, and I sort of said, ah, it's probably not necessary. Turns out it was. <laughs> Turns well, out it was. This, this uh, is how you learn those lessons. It's yeah. interesting how you find, like, you know, ideally everyone would deadlift it up on the up on the stage, but once we put it down on the floor, it, it kind of pulled the crowd closer into the action and yeah. kind of felt a little bit more local meat style. Um, it was, it was actually kind of cool having the deadlifts come down to the floor. So we're, we're still in, in sort of uh, thinking mode as to whether we do that at Worlds or keep it up on the stage. Yeah, there's, it's definitely, it changes the atmosphere, you know. Like I, I thought it was really cool from a spectator standpoint to be able to see it up on the stage, especially for bench. Like, A, I fucking hate watching bench press anyway. It's the least entertaining part of an already fairly boring sport to watch. Mm. Um but to be able to have it up on a stage and be able to have it elevated so that you can actually see what's going on was really cool. Um, so I, I've always liked the idea of it being on a stage, but the practical application of a stage that can absorb big people dropping 300 plus kilo deadlifts unexpectedly on it repeatedly over the course of three or four days is a little bit harder to achieve in reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, the bench problem is always interesting. Like you... If you have the the bench at the same level of the spectator and you have the head to the crowd then you've got the referee in the way um, yeah. so your other option and some federation some federations even have this as a rule is to turn the bench around and have the crotch mm. to the crowd uh, but yeah. then you've got the crotch to the crowd and it's not always <laughs> yes. the most pleasant view and it's not always the most ex- pleasant experience as a lifter and um, also if you're a really big like watching coops bench from crutch to the crowd you wouldn't be able to see much he's just big enough from you know back to front that you basically once he gets halfway down the bar disappears and you don't know whether he's actually (laughs) got it or not um and then the other alternative which is you know a lot of powerlifting federations do is to do like the whole 45 degree thing which i just think that's always just been weird and that would throw me off yeah yeah exactly it would throw me off heaps as a lifter like when you lie on a bench and it's like not quite lined up with the roof tiles or something like that that. yeah i hate that then like i never know what to do i'm like my assumption is is because i've set my hips on the bench according to where the bench is that my body's automatically square even though the bench isn't square to the roof 
but then subconsciously i just adjust to the roof and so i wonder if i'm like twisted to match the the thing on the roof normally i just stop and adjust the bench but um yeah nothing yeah, worse than that uh, nothing worse than that no. or having a light directly above your eyes i had we had this experience once where like you've been to our gym where we've got that big double bay window next yeah. to the platform and at the right time of year we at that point we didn't have curtains on there and after this incident we got curtains but um it was like you <laughs> know 11 a.m or something yeah then this dude's like lying on the bench with the sun in his eyes and he complained i'm like dude what do you want me to do like move i can't the move the i can't move the platform i can't move the building i can't move the sun you just got to kind of deal with it um but it's always interesting at this is like at yeah, this is at, at our, like, one of our GPC meets, I think. And, like, the guy ended up bombing anyway. But um, that that was not to do with the sun. That was to do with terrible attempt choices. Um, but, and, and probably practicing the sport without understanding the rules. Um, but it's always interesting from a meet director's standpoint to see how lifters adjust to adversity like that. I think, uh, and especially, you know, like I've got a lot of lifters who've never competed in anywhere except our competitions. And so to then see them go to a foreign environment, whether that's someone else's gym or an event venue because they're competing at a national level event or something like that, seeing how they adjust to those differences is really mm. a, a really interesting insight into, I think, the lifter themselves and their psychology. I know that like at a, when I was at the GPC teen juniors masters comp in Dubbo not that long ago uh I was coaching one of my guys Nick who's like 16 I think about to turn 17 uh and strong as fuck and but came to powerlifting having played representative rugby and like is an athlete and so he he was there with a, a few guys that he knows and is friends with who are all roughly the same age and just even just watching him and his approach to things and things going wrong and, you know, having to rush through a couple of warm-ups or, or just things that happen mm. at, at meets and especially at big meets where everything's just a fraction more unpredictable, uh, you know, things go wrong, timings change, those sort of things. Just watching that difference is really interesting to see that, like, you know, the people who have experience competing are generally much more relaxed about being able to take those things in their stride and be okay with it. And then it's the people who are not that experienced or have never been exposed to having to do something in an environment that they're not comfortable in when something little goes wrong then it's all over the shop and they're done mm. you know and they it, they it rattles them and they lose their focus and are then unable to perform in the same way so i always enjoy just from an observer standpoint being able to pick the people that are you know clearly competent in their competitive attitude and their ability to adjust on the fly to those things um mm. it's always sort of interesting and i mean these days it's far less important because at most of the big meets you've got all the same equipment in the warm-up room as you do in on the platform but like you know my first nationals only had one mono lift and it was on the platform and i had to do my squat warm-ups by having a pair of freestanding squat stands that I unracked from. Yeah, I unracked from and had two people pull the stands out of the way and then I had to, like, walk my feet sideways to get into my squat stance. And, yeah. you know, just seeing how people respond to that is always very interesting. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, like, um, I don't know if you had a chance to lie on or sit on or, or pay attention to the Alico benches that we used. Mm. Um, but the new style Alico bench is like rock hard. There is no yeah. no give in it whatsoever. Um, and at the gym here, I've got one of the older style Alico benches, which I reupholstered and changed the padding on. So it's a soft pad with a really sticky, grippy um, top. And it's really nice to bench on. Um, yeah. I really like the hard pad and the the new alicos have a sticky bit which is really nice as well but um since getting them and using them in competitions i don't know if i've looked for it or if this is true but i certainly think there's a higher higher percentage or higher portion of people who get red lights for their bum coming off the bench because when yeah, you're on a soft pad the, if your yeah. bum lifts the bat the pad kind of lifts with it mm. um and so in my head sometimes i've thought oh, gee i wonder if i look into getting these reupholstered and change the pad to make it softer um, which might be a little bit more beneficial for the lifter. And then I always think of, okay, well, what's what's the most extreme ex- ex- example here of why I shouldn't do that? And I'm like, well, Coop's benched 300 on it in competition yeah. and didn't get red lights or his bum coming off. So I'm like, everyone can do it. And so I'm, I fight this battle because there were quite a few people. There were at least two people, maybe three or four, that bombed on bench at that competition. Um, and part of it was their bum coming off the bench. Um, and so, you know, I, I have this internal battle about like, oh, do we modify this to make it better for the lifters or easier for the lifters? And then I'm like, well, no, it, it's about adapting to the equipment that you have uh, and, and dealing with the situation that you're in. Um, but that's the a- real skill of comp- competition Absolutely. or competing, right? Like that's the thing that makes competition PRs way more relevant from at least my point of view than training prs because a training pr you can hit on any fucking day of the week but Mm -hmm. the the thing about a competition is that it happens on a day that you don't get to choose it happens in with timings that you don't get to be in control of it's often in an environment that you're not comfortable with because it's not at the gym that you train at four days a week all of these factors they're the things that make like competing in any sport it doesn't just have to be weightlifting or powerlifting it's competing in any sport and as a meat director you want to provide the best possible platform for people to be successful on like at no point am i deliberately making decisions that i'm like ha, ah, this is going to make life real <laughs> yeah. fucking hard for these lifters because as much as i like to pretend i'm a complete cunt i'm not that far down that cunt scale um but the there is an element where it's like well no this is this is the environment you have to compete in and this is how it works. And if you can adapt to it, then that's what's going to make you a successful competitor. The the strongest lifter in the gym isn't always the best competitor because competing is a skill. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I I mean, like, again, this is us sounding like old man yell yell at cloud, but we do come from the age of, you know, you having a unrack on squats. Proper adaption, yeah. Yeah, I've been to world championships that were wor- run worse than our local meets. I've been to world championships yeah. where the bench is an unadjustable commercial gym bench and the bar is an Olympic lifting bar with the bearing spin and we're using bumper plates to warm up. Like, I've been to competitions where you spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars just to get there uh, to be in an environment like that. That's then overpopulated with people there's a mess in there. There's not enough equipment for the people lifting. Like uh, you do, you just have to adapt and deal with what you've got. And it's it's why I'm so passionate about with our competitions, just like you are with yours, trying to provide the best experience possible for the lifter. Mm. Like we want to give you the best opportunity that you can on that day to showcase what you've got. Yeah. And um, every time I run a meet, and I'm sure every time you run a meet, there's all like, and especially now, like I've, I did the calculations the other day. I think we've hosted 
over 50 meets mm-hmm. uh, since 2014 when we first started hosting meets. And I don't think there are many meet directors in the country who've hosted that many. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, there are large portions of what we do on meet day that are just autonomous now. It just happens. Like, A, my team can now run comps without me there, which has only had to happen a couple of times, but it still works. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as a meet director, I'm still always like, okay, well, what can we do better? Like, what went wrong? How can we change things? How can we update it so it works better? How can we make a better live stream? Or how can we do different things like that? Because it's all about providing the best possible product. Mm. Yeah, I, I, that's you know, I echo that, and I uh, am so proud of the team that that came together for nationals. Like I, I, I sort of see my job at these meets where I'm either meet directing or in in this in this circumstance, I was really helping the meet director. Like I'd class mm. Daniel as the meet director. He really yeah. organized it all. I just helped provide equipment and move stuff around and gave some input. Um, but um, I sort of as as I guess the most senior referee in in APL or the person that's had the most APL competition experience I stood there to the side doing what I normally do at my meets which is just watch the whole thing and be everyone you know jump into ref when someone needs to go to the toilet or jump into help spot or quickly fix the error on the technology or whatever it is and I found myself being quite bored a lot of the times as in like not being bored but feeling useless feeling like yeah, yeah. Oh, well they've got all that under control oh yes finally an error on the screen oh wait rochelle's fixed that straight away like it's it's getting to the point like you said where your team's so autonomous it's almost like you don't need to be there we're always going to be there uh, but like it's yeah, so yeah. cool to see the team I mean, team come together yeah. and work so hard the only times i haven't been there have been because i've been sick been or stuck sick. in isolation <laughs> um but yeah like that's the thing that's always stood out to me is having been to a lot of meets across the country the best meet directors actually don't do that much on the day, right? Like they're there and they can do like, in order to get to a point where you don't have to do much as a meet director, you have to be able to do every single job in the room. And in most cases, you have to be able to do it better than the people that are doing it. Yep. Uh, And then what you end up with is the ability to, like you said, jump in wherever you're needed and do whatever it is that needs Mm -hmm. to be done. And then the rest of it just kind of happens and you continue to help people build these skills and you get to point out the little nuances that people miss in, Mm -hmm. be it in running the computer or in refereeing or in spotting and loading, just like those little things where when you've been to enough of these, you have this understanding of what can go wrong and what will go wrong because you host enough of them and everything will fucking go wrong. <laughs> um, but then by by being able to have that critical analysis of your own efforts and your team's efforts and being able to, to find those little nuances, that's how you improve on things. I think when yeah. you sit back and get complacent about it, that's when you're going to lose things. Mm. in the rabbit hole you know and you, and the quality of your meets is going to deteriorate and i think we all know meet directors that have got to that point and and become less concerned about doing it well and more concerned about just doing it for the sake of doing it but i think all the best meet directors in the country are the ones that are constantly pushing forwards in a way that's about trying to provide the best possible uh product for the lifter and for the spectators and all of those sort of things mm. yeah absolutely you know i mean like the me director that's standing around that that represents countless hours of work having been put in not just doing those tasks yourself but training up other people to do those tasks like that yeah man you come and watch my mates and you'll see me 
stand in a three square meter radius for the entire day and i barely move and it, like it probably to an external observer looks like i'm not doing anything i like have a quick chat with the lifters as they go up or come off and that's about uh-huh. it but otherwise i stand just in front of the scorers table and that's where i stay all day because and you've done everything yeah, because exactly I, i've sat in every single chair in that room and have the ability to continue to do that and i think that yeah it's harder than it sounds it takes a lot of experience and a lot of stress too i don't know how it's kind of gotten onto this onto this topic but we'll keep going with it because like it yeah, sounds I like, like it. we're it sounds like we're justifying why we do so much of nothing on, on competition day um, but i'm also, like also to, okay with that <laughs> to, to paint a picture um the reason why we have to be there and be on top of it like that um at nationals on the first day so we did a dry run of the technology the night before um which relied on the lighting system and the, the the clock timer to go up on this big projector behind the mm. behind the stage and we got it working the night before um but the port the hdmi port into the wall was was stuffed like it took maybe we tried three or four different uh cords the night before uh three laptops to get one that that worked and so we had it all ready to go and then the morning of couldn't get it working like the, it the just would not talk to the port and so the first flight of lifters, probably the first, I don't I can't even remember. Like we were all running on adrenaline at that point. Um, maybe an hour or so was, uh, you know, the people at the scorer's tele- table yelling out the rack height, yelling out the weights for the spotters and loaders. And so if you, if you sort of account for even, let's just call it 30 lifters or uh, 45 attempts, you know, a flight of 15 lifters doing three attempts of squats. Um, if there's a 30 second delay with that, you know, compounded over those lifters, it can push the day back by hours if you do that across yeah. all the lifters. And so it's so important for us to get on top of those things because we can see that stuff and know how big of an impact a lack of efficiency makes on a huge meet like that. Uh, so if, if you were there and you saw me scrambling around, running between TVs and cables and trying to get that stuff sorted, looking stressed out, that's why. It's because I knew how much of an impact it would, would make. And it did make an impact. It pushed the day back probably by about an hour. Um, but it could have been much worse if we didn't get that sorted. It's it's crazy when you're running a full meet. Like, as John said, he's r- ran over 50 meets. Like, you know the difference between something going wrong that puts you out by 10 minutes. That times 10 is a lot of minutes to be put out by. Yeah, man. I can't tell you the number of times we've had to delay the start of a meet by like six minutes because the J car electronics around the corner from the gym that we need to open to replace a cable or a HDMI splitter doesn't open until the stated meet time. So we come out half an hour early and like, we got to push the timing back by 10 minutes. We just got to replace this fucking splitter or, you know, it's those sort of things that, um, I mean, fuck, like I've been to meets like back in the day where they didn't even have that. It was like, people looking up a loading chart to tell yeah, you chart. what plates to put like a fucking six page a4 printout of yeah. like every two and a half kilo increment and the number of plates and man i am glad we don't have to deal with that shit anymore yeah 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 it's always interesting going to american meets where you've got new spotter loaders uh, because they can't they can't like especially with the older um, computer screens, they didn't have next lift coming on board. And so if there was yeah. an error and they had to calculate themselves, they're like, how the fuck do I get 205 kilos on a bar? What are these weird kilo things we're talking about? And it's really yeah, funny yeah. to see that. Uh, so many times I've been at meets like that and just yelled out, yellow, 
1.25. Yeah, man, I did it in APL. I was waiting for Lynn to come up for one of her bench attempts. And Toby was standing there looking a bit confused. And I was like, just load this and then put the fractionals on and you'll be sweet. He's like, all right, cool. And got it sorted. (laughs) And it's those little nuances of like, have you set up open lifter with the right plate combinations so that you've got the right numbered plates and it doesn't just give you this weird catastrophic error. And yeah, it's things like that, that that make me grateful for improved technology and things that aren't quite as clunky as like next lifter used to be and that sort of stuff. Uh I guess this whole episode then has just been an overwhelming message of thank you, meet director. Recognize how much love time effort money that they put into these competitions for you um thank you meet director and if you have criticism if you have uh feedback make it constructive and sandwich it politely into compliments about the meat because i guarantee the meat was overwhelmingly positive maybe you didn't like the bar or the platform was a little bit slippery for your liking which spoiler alert is normally your shoes not the platform um you know make sure if you are providing feedback which is necessary like our meets improve because of feedback that we get which is often that was going to be the that was going to be the thing that i was going to say is firstly provide that feedback don't fucking go on the internet and whinge about it in your instagram post like talk to the fucking meet director open the dialogue yeah because if you don't and all you do is whinge about things on the internet like there are people who are not allowed to compete at my gym anymore because instead of talking to me about issues that they had they just went on social media to whinge about it Mm -hmm. and like by all means complain on the internet about things but don't complain about things that you haven't tried to address beforehand because mm-hmm. if, if your first port of call is to bitch and moan about your poor result on the internet because you, you know, something went wrong at the meet and you haven't talked to the meet director about it, I just think you're a bit of a dickhead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, historically, and, and I'm hoping that APL can change this. We, we've hired a staff member who's a professional in the space of um, sporting events and management that has previously worked in professional sport. And can um, we talk about that? She fucking killed it. Yeah, Rhiannon is the absolute best. She's been involved in Zero since my first gym at PTC Gold Coast at Narang. She's been in our family for a long time, um, and she's absolutely brilliant at what she does. Uh, but like, in in our discussions with her over the weekend, one thing that I've never vocalized, but sort of came out in our discussions, is that a big part of the reason why powerlifting sucks uh, it doesn't suck. It's cool, but a big part of the reason why powerlifting um seems to not change that much is because powerlifting federations are run by you know people who have had gyms that got angry at other powerlifting federations but then when they go to reinvent the model they don't reinvent the model they just copy the old model so it's just a bunch of the same model reinvented across you know uh several different you know variations of it but it's essentially the same model and if if we want to make it better we need to take inspiration and draw from other sporting models uh to to introduce a whole new level of professionalism like with this person coming on board and uh, what i believe apl is going to then try and do is to actually improve the model of powerlifting is to is is Mm. to you know not just take the same thing and try and make it a bit better but to think outside of the box because like think of every powerlifting federation does this they go like oh we need to make this part of uh, the system better let's look at how the other powerlifting federations do it so everyone just copies each other it's the same with our little gyms you know we look at other powerlifting gyms and we're like they're doing well what do they do different let's look at that rather than going okay well let's step outside of this world and see how you know bigger models that are more successful have been replicated and draw inspiration from them 
Uh, so I'm hoping that over the next year, there's some, there's some major changes that happen in APL. And I'm really hoping uh, that that filters out into other powerlifting federations and that the sport as a whole starts to elevate even further. I think, it, interestingly, to sort of not counter that point, but to add to it, I think you can only really look outside of your sport or your environment for inspiration once you've ticked the basics that people are doing well in the space. Because if sure. you just go outside and look at how are these other events doing these things, well, then you end up running into issues where like you just haven't like ticked the bare minimums of what you should be doing. You know, like one of the things that I am constantly fascinated that people just don't do as well as like I think I we do at Meets. It's like we have an automated email sequence that goes out for weeks in the lead up to competitions that like starts with a confirmation email when you sign up. Then it goes to like, hey, we're three weeks out. Here's the rule book. Check your membership status. Like here's some things to think about. Then it's like, hey, we're like two weeks out. Have you checked all of these things? Remind you again. Hey, we're a week out. If you want to, you can submit your pin heights and attempts and stuff now so that weigh-ins are smoother. Like just all of these little things that from my point of view are a little bit selfishly about me just not having to say the same fucking thing over and over and over. Um, and it's things like that that I think once you've ticked the, the basics that I would consider to be you know, non-negotiables in how you do these things, then you can start to look outside of those. Cause I think sure. there's someone who doesn't necessarily have the experience that maybe we do could take what you've said and just be like, all right, well, I'm just going to go start looking at how people run soccer tournaments and things like that and, and do all that stuff, which can be really useful. And I think will be really useful because there are plenty of much, much bigger, much more comprehensively well-run sports that powerlifting could learn from. But there are still elements of powerlifting that are specific to powerlifting. And if you haven't got those right, then all your other efforts will just kind of get lost in the bush for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, totally agree with you. And, um, you know, that stuff that you do is so cool. Like as in those those automated emails, who else does that? Like who, who like I think you do it with your novice comps as well, where you talk about yeah, yeah. like attempt selection and Everything. Man, I've got like a, a five-part YouTube video series that talks about like how the day runs, uh, the squat and the rules for the squat, the bench rules for the bench, deadlift rules for the deadlift, attempt selection, stuff like that, which is all like, again, it comes from a place of laziness yeah. because these are all conversations that I've just then had to have with people on the phone. Whereas now, instead of someone ringing me up and being like, oh, I just need a bit more information about how the day runs, that sort of thing, I can go, cool, well, when you enter, you'll get this video series watch all of those and then if anything's not clear come back and talk to me because from my point of view it saves me hundreds of hours a year from not having to have these conversations because i recorded one 15 minute youtube video that's not laziness um, though that's efficiency laziness would be like here's the rule book no, it's no, gonna be kind of like this i know what you're saying yeah but my laziness is just my efficiency is brought born of a deep-seated laziness <laughs> um but yeah it, it's things like that that like from my point of view, have just made everything easier. And especially at novice comps where you get a bunch of people who have no fucking idea what's going on and have no, like all these things that an experienced powerlifter is just like, oh yeah, that's just part of the day. Yeah. But a novice lifter will turn up and be like, what? I have to do what? I have to wear what? I have to be able, like all of those things. You just save so many headaches by just being able to do what is actually like really fucking simple. You know, it took me Absolutely. a few hours to record and edit these videos and now they just live there and people just watch them and, uh, and we never have to deal with it again. 
absolutely well i think that's a good place to end things so yep. thank you thank you meet director that's the end bye yes bye